Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lever Ball Show. And on this episode, I am joined by former NFL first round pick and Super Bowl champion Dwayne Starks. And, um, you know, Dwayne, first off, you know, we were talking right before we started recording. Um, you know, you've been involved a lot lately with, um, you know, the NFLPA and doing things with, you know, uh, NFL alumni and, you know, working also with, uh, in the well-known sports agent Drew Rosenhaus. So, you know, what's it been like lately, you know, um, staying connected to the game and, you know, in a different capacity? Uh, I think it's important, man. Uh, you know, just being able to notify former players that normally don't know what those benefits are, uh, getting them back to, you know, the networking of, of other players that's, that's around. Uh, Cause you know, give them that locker room feel back. Uh, I think it's always important for what I do when it comes to the NFLPA because, you know, you got a lot of guys that need mental health awareness. They need uh, uh, financial assistance, you know, even if they want to go back to school to continue continuing education component to what we offer and our affiliates offer is is big. You know, you got older guys that's been out there and some of these benefits did not exist at the time. And now they exist and they're not aware of it. So, you know, I like to bring that awareness and we do different events throughout the year to make sure that that happens. Definitely. And, you know, it's funny. I've, I've talked to so many different former NFL players about how hard the transition is away from football um, and, you know, how and just how, how life can be, you know, just such an adjustment um, once you get out of the game and also, you know, a lot of NFL guys I've had on this podcast and guys I've talked to on ESPN talk a lot about how NFL life isn't necessarily what it looks like to the outside world. Um, and, you know, people who haven't played and, you know, some of the challenges that NFL guys go through that no one knows about. Um, but, you know, I'm curious, you know, you're doing a lot now, you know, helping former players. But were, did you have a tough time, you know, an especially tough time? transitioning um you know when you retired because i've heard like i said different guys i've talked to some have said okay it was tough at first but i got through it i've also heard from some guys you know horror stories guys who have told me you know they they lost all their money and there's kind of a spectrum as far as how hard it is for for different guys to transition but was it especially yeah. hard for you or what inspired you to help you know other guys uh i think what inspired me first off is is just being there for someone else uh, was it hard for me in the transition? No, because I think I was sort of ready to retire after all the injuries that I've had, you know, late in my career. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I believe that the transition happens at different times for different players, for whatever reason that it is. You know, a lot of guys, if they're, they're in denial that it's actually over until, you know, a year go by and they don't get the phone call. Two years go by, they don't get the phone call. Now we're in year three and now they're realizing like, yo, I'm actually not going to ever play again. So then, you know, that is a transition for some players. Uh, then you have the players that have a problem right away because maybe they spent all of their money expecting that there was going to be another check tomorrow. And that's a different transition. So it all it all varies when it comes down to what's. uh a, a time frame, basically the time frame changes and, and guys go through different things like mental, 
or rather it's financial, uh, rather it's marriage, you know, with divorce and all of those different things that take place. So I just want to be that guy that can help a guy and guide him in the right direction so that his transition can be a little smoother than it, it usually would be. You know, again, that's great that, you know, you're doing so much to, you know, help uh, retire players now, but, you know, backpedaling a little bit, you know, uh-huh. you were obviously, um, you know, first round pick out of the University of Miami, you know, you started your career with the Ravens. It's funny, I actually, I didn't mention this before we started recording, but I actually grew up in Baltimore. Um, my dad still lives there right now, but um, during the 2000 Super Bowl, I was actually eight years old. So I wasn't able to get a media credential for that Super Bowl, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, you had that famous pick six, and there was that that string of plays. Wasn't your pick six one of the three touchdowns in a row? It was pick six, kick return, touchdown, kick return, touchdown. If I remember correctly, that crazy, crazy sequence. Um, but, you know, what Still was your time in Baltimore like? Yeah, that, that sequence of touchdowns holds the record in any football game or any Super Bowl. I mean, you got three touchdowns in 34 seconds total. So, you know, that's that's unheard of. I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, back-to-back, you know, kickoff returns or punt returns, but not, you know, three, three going back-to-back-to-back. Uh, my time in Baltimore, you asked? Yeah, I mean, what was it like, um, you know, transitioning? What was it like, you know, transitioning, um, you know, out of, uh, you know, or, or transitioning out of Miami, you know, to the Ravens? Was that, you know, obviously you can't control who you get drafted by, but was it a seamless transition? I mean, I know they had obviously Ray Lewis, not only, you know, a yeah. legend, but a former Hurricane himself. I mean, yes, what was yes. that transition like? Uh, you mentioned the right name. I was going to say that, uh, you know, throughout my signing with the Ravens, you know, the draft, all of that went well. Uh, but, you know, I held out for two weeks just to try to get a bigger check. And, you know, that worked out. But then when I came in, which was two weeks later after training camp started, uh, Ray Lewis asked that I be his roommate and in training camp down in Westminster. So, that made it easy for me. You know, he kind of laid down the rules, not necessarily rules, but kind of laid down the, the lay of the land in a sense of, hey, this is how this worked. This is how this worked. You know, we're here to do this. This is what I want you to, you know, want, want you to be. This is where I want you to be. And this is how you handle certain situations. You know, you know how it is. You know, we have that relationship in the sense of we both come from the University of Miami. I played a year with Ray before he uh, went into the NFL draft. And, you know, he basically just laid it on the line and say, hey, it's time to get out there, be a professional and, and do what we do. You know, it's not like we're playing anyone that's better than us because we played and practiced against the best guys at the University of Miami. So don't come in nervous. Just do what you do and what you're always capable of doing. And, you know, it made it easy for me. I mean, yeah, I mean, the team, you know, at UMIA back in the day, like you said, you practice against the best of the best. It was unreal. I mean, you know, when DJ Khaled talks about your team in a song that you're a pretty good college <laughs> team, but that's interesting. You know, you, uh, you know, you play with Ray in college also. So yeah. and were you as close with him at Miami or was it really when you went to the Ravens that you had that bond? Uh, I think once we got, once I got to the Ravens, you know, when he was at University of Miami, And I got there in 95 and, you know, he played the 95 year 
and then he went into the 96 draft. So we only had a year to actually get to know each other. But once I got to Baltimore, you know, we became best of friends, uh, like brothers. And, you know, he'll hang out and I'll hang out at his house, throw a party at his house, you know, got to know his family. Everyone accepted me and I accepted them and the families blended. So that was just amazing. So we still call each other and check on each other all the time. And unfortunately, just had to attend his son's funeral, uh, you know, not long ago. And that was sad. Uh, you know, it's tough to see that when you know who the kid is and saw the kid as, as you know, as he was born and, and being raised. So that's that's tough. Yeah, that was, you know, a very sad situation. No question about it. Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned also, though, kind of, you know, I was reminded a little bit when you talk about, um, you know, Ray welcoming you, welcoming you into the team. It was kind of similar also when Ed Reed was drafted by the Ravens, you know, another Miami guy in his case, you know, he, he never played with Ray in college. He'd never met him prior to getting drafted right. by the Ravens, but they'd have, they do that little huddle. It was uh, Ray, Ed and Willis McGahee would all huddle up before yeah. games together. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, then there was that, that, that pride that, you know, guys from that program had, and, and you know, what was that like also? I mean, the year you guys won the Super Bowl, um, you know, you guys were just such a dominant defense and, yeah, we, you know, we had five guys, we had <laughs> five guys in the university of Miami on that team. It was, it was wild, but I mean, you know, you guys, it's not like, you guys, Trent Dilfer did his job, but it's not like he's throwing for 400 yards a game. I mean, you guys would run the ball with Jamal Lewis, but you guys kind of created your own brand of champion with just being a team that just kicks your ass defensively for four quarters. I mean, what was it like being part of that? It was amazing. I mean, you know, when you're going through the motions, not the motions, but when you're in it at the time, you don't realize how special those moments were. You don't realize how special that team was. And, you know, you don't think about the setting records. We just went on, we wanted to go out there and dominate. So just so happened, we set defensive records. Uh, and now when you look back and you see other teams and they can't accomplish the same thing, then you realize how special that defense was and how special those players were. Uh, you got to think about it. You had Michael McCrary. You had Tony Saragusa, God bless him. Uh, Rob Burnett, Ray Lewis, Rod Woodson. I mean, I can continue to go on and, and name a bunch of amazing players that was still today, if they were capable of playing, probably be dominating some type of way. Uh, so, yeah, it's just special, man. That that defense was all, all that it needed to be. And as you see, it's still talked about to this day. Well, and then, you know, what was it like transitioning away? I mean, you know, after having all that success, winning a Super Bowl, being part that of such a great defense. I mean, yeah. I mean, did you and at at one point, you know, maybe want to be a guy who played with one team his whole career? Yeah, I wanted to play with Baltimore my whole career, but you know, the business takes over. Uh, I wanted to be that guy that accept uh, Ed Reed in because I had to. You know, he we played together a year in Miami. Uh, you know, and I left when he was going into his sophomore year, but. The transition itself, leaving the Ravens, was pretty tough. Uh, I never wanted to leave. I ended up going to Arizona. Arizona at the time was, you know, uh, Aeneas Williams had left, so they needed to replace, you know, an All-American, All-of-Fame corner and bring me out there. So that was a little, I'm not going to say pressure, but it was a lot of high expectations on myself. 
uh, I set those standards and, you know, went out there and had a few injuries there. So that didn't work out as as much as I or as, as good as I wanted it to. But it was a nice trip. It was a nice experience. But that transition was tough. Well, and also, you know, you, you know, you you transitioned to uh, to Arizona. Then the end of your career also spent time with uh, the Patriots and Raiders. Um, and it's funny, I'm I'm actually uh, here in the Boston area. You know, I've covered the Patriots in the past, and you know, obviously, they've had you know such an incredible run during during my lifetime. And I know, yeah. you know, you you were not with the Patriots for too long before you moved on to Oakland. But you know, what was it like being part of that culture and you know, being around Belichick and, and all those other guys. I mean, a lot of people I've talked to have said that Belichick's actually a nicer guy than people think. If you really get to know him and he yes. just has that kind of that game face with the media, um, you know, I probably would never have a productive conversation with him in an interview. But like, what was it like being around him every day and and, you know, actually getting to know him as a person and being part of that culture? I mean, Belichick is like that. If, if you want to play some to be like anyone, you just think of that dad that's very serious, but knows when to have fun. He's that guy that, you know, preaches there's a time to play and there's a time to have fun, but there's a time to be serious as well. Right. So he's more about being serious, uh, being professional, as well as not worrying about what the media says, just going out and doing your job and, you know, being accountable. So that was what that's his whole motto being accountable do what you're supposed to do and you know we'll have fun when it's time to have fun so i, I like that mentality uh the culture in itself i would say that's a culture that you have to be huh i wouldn't say accepted into well i guess you i guess i can say that if you were not drafted in onto that team during this period and I just didn't feel comfortable there. Uh, you know, I did have some injuries, so I couldn't get out on the field. It's the same time I was struggling with, you know, my shoulder injury. And uh, it's an amazing place to play. Uh, the fans are crazy about the Patriots. But that atmosphere and the, the, the team, I just couldn't gel with. You know, it, it didn't work for me. Some of the things that was put in defensively, I was having a hard time understanding why, uh, because that did not play to my style of play. It did not work for me. So, uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Some, and, you know, I ended up going to Oakland for two years. So, you know, you're not the only person who feels that way, though. I mean, there have been other guys, um, you know, Chad Ochocinco was in New England for a year. You know, he I mean, no one questioned Chad Ochocinco's ability, but he didn't click in that exact system. Um, and, he, you know, he was out of there quickly, went to the Dolphins, um, yeah. you know, right after. And I mean, it's funny also because some of the guys who really fit in there and, you know, I'm here in New England. So I, you know, that's the team I'm usually keeping up with the most closely. And I, I used to cover them. But like they have certain guys like their longtime team captain is a special teams player. He isn't even an offensive or defensive starter. That's Matthew Slater. but. And it, but as a special teams guy, he fits into that culture, and it, it. I feel as though it's not even necessarily a, a matter of talent as much as just some guys fit in, and maybe some guys who wouldn't have had as much success on a different team fit in there and flourish mm -hmm. there. 
But, you know, my my only other question about the time in New England, I mean, what was it like? Um, you know, how how well did you get to know Brady? Brady, uh, mostly in the locker room. You know, he's a, he was a fun guy, man. I, I enjoy Brady. I, I like his character. I like what he stands for. He's not a snobbish guy. You know, he was always cool with everyone, you know, needed us to say uh, a lot of guys wasn't like that on the team. It was more so about this seniority situation and, you know, guys who's been there the longest get their priority or whatever. Uh, and felt, uh, I'll say, felt like they had an obligation in a sense to be the captains of the team, which no one really put them in place to be a captain. Uh, but yeah, Brady, man, Brady was accepted by everyone on the team and not because of his playing ability, but because of his personality and his his leadership. So that that's a good thing. I mean, I know when he was going over to Tampa that he'll change the dynamics over there and, you know, actually have a good season just to find out, you know, they won a Super Bowl. So they had a team. It's just a matter of getting the right person to lead them. And that 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 worked out pretty well. No question. No question. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's interesting, you know, kind of seeing that perspective, you know, you getting to know him, you know, behind the scenes in a way that that the public doesn't. But, um, you know, since, you know, obviously we've talked about, you know, you know, your work with, you know, retired players and everything um, and, you know, what you've been doing since you retired from the game yourself. But, you know, I also wanted to talk to you about the Dwayne Starks Foundation and, you know, have you always been involved in, in charitable things or you, did you start doing that while you were in the league or was that more yes. something you had time to do after you retired? Uh, I think my story kind of sounds repetitive like everyone else's. You know, I, I figured when I make it, I'll come back to my community and give back. Uh, I think that was important to me. I think that was important to my family. So I established the Starks Charitable Foundation. Uh and I ran that for 10 years and that was successful, giving away scholarships over a couple of hundred scholarships over the time uh, of of being active. And, you know, recently, you know, basically I, I put that aside for a while to do some other things. And then I brought it back and I'm still continuing to support the neighborhood. Uh, I do triathlons you know, raise money for the Little League Optimus teams uh, or any other thing that I'm actually supporting. So that's what, you know, I like to do that. I always like to give back. So I'll continue to do that. When, uh, you know, if anyone listening wants to donate to any of your organizations or volunteer, or get involved, uh, you know, where can people find that online? Uh, you can go to Dwayne Starks Foundation, uh, org. So you can put a, you can go on there. You can send an email. We'll tell you how to get involved. Perfect. Perfect. Um, well, you know, it's interesting, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned you're, you're living in Florida now. And, you know, you didn't just go to Florida for University of Miami. You grew up there. So, you know, both, you know, pre and post NFL career, you know, you've been in Florida. You've talked about how much the community means to you. Now, did you ever think during your NFL career, you know, I want to go to the Dolphins or the Bucks and and play at the pro level, you know, in the state of Florida? Uh, you know, the Bucks was an option, but they ran, you know, cover two at the time. They was heavy on the cover two defense. Me, I'm more of a man-to-man type of guy. I don't have to, you know, bump. I like to be in your face and running with you because that was my strength. Uh, the Dolphins, I, 
I enjoyed being away from Miami for a while. <laughs> so the Dolphins, they never really showed any strong interest, I guess, because of where they where their pick was. Uh, they were picking, I think, in the 26th, 24th or 26th pick, somewhere back there. And they know that I'll be gone before then. So it really wasn't a, uh, a thought that I'll be playing with the Dolphins. So, uh, Dwayne, you know, before we wrap up, um, you know, where can uh, people find you? You mentioned your, your website for the Dwayne Starks Foundation. But um, if anyone wants to keep up with what you're doing, uh, what are your uh, social media handles and where can people keep up with uh, the day to day life of Dwayne Starks? At DStarks22. Uh, that's one of my, my uh, Instagram. Anything else, you know, I'm kind of cutting back on social media right now. But, you know, putting some stuff out there because I am coaching. I'm coaching a little league, coaching my son. He's playing now 13 years old and, uh, you know, trying to get him on the right track and doing the right things when it comes to learning this game of football. Well, that's awesome. And, yeah, maybe he's a future Raven as well. But, um, you know, Dwayne, I really appreciate um, you joining me on the podcast. And like I said, everyone, definitely check out um, his work with the Dwayne Starks Foundation. But once again, everyone, you have been listening to the Lever Ball Show. Thanks for tuning in.